Hey, this is Dan Dowdy, your host for the Built for the Trades podcast, where we help men and women in the trades grow through leadership development. And one way that we do that is interviewing amazing guests. And uh, Brandon, he is with Live Oak Bank, um, a bank that specializes in giving out small loans to or loans to uh, plumbing, electrical and HVAC businesses. Uh, he's going to come on and share just some good wisdom, some good information for those small business owners out there that are looking to grow and, uh, you know, pro- possibly need a little money to do so. So uh, uh, Brandon is the head of service contractors there at Live Oak Bank, and him and I met out at Service World last year. So welcome to the show, Brandon. Thanks for having me on, Dan, and uh, hoping to impart uh, what little knowledge I know to your listeners. I know. Yeah. So listeners, don't turn it off because, you know, we're talking about banking today. This is actually really <laughs> important information. We're going to mix in some leadership talk. Uh, we may even talk about some sports. We'll see how this goes. But uh, before we dive in, I just want to remind everybody out there, um, please subscribe to the show if you like what you hear and share this with a friend. Our focus is to grow this podcast organically. And, you know, when it comes to growing your business through leadership development, you got to first focus on yourself and become better yourself so the people around you can become better. So, Brandon, let's dive in. Tell me or tell the audience a little bit about yourself, um, you know, where you're at and kind of a little bit about your experience and maybe some family and hobbies, things like that. Just kind of get let us get to know you a little bit. Yeah, happy to. So uh, I was born and raised in uh, Stafford, Virginia, which probably none of your listeners know where that is, but it's a little it's a a bedroom community of D.C. about uh, 45 minutes south along I-95. Uh, the Wall Street Journal actually did a study a few years ago about where the worst traffic in the country was uh, in terms of most hours wasted. And that is right where I grew up. Um, so after uh, graduating high school, moved down to Wilmington, North Carolina, where I played soccer uh, at UNC Wilmington. And one of our teammates on our home services lending team uh, was also my teammate uh, on the soccer team as well. Um, but I uh, studied finance in school and was really interested in lending money to uh, businesses, uh, particularly smaller companies. My dad actually uh, owned and operated a small business and sold it and worked for the company that he sold it to. But hmm. uh, so I, I have a particular interest in helping companies like that. And I had no idea, but the actually one of the largest at the time small business lenders in the country was headquartered in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is Live Oak Bank where I work. And uh, I was lucky enough to get a job and I've worked in, uh, gosh, I've worked in the post-closing department. So after you close a, let's say you um, you own a heating and air company and you uh, buy another business and your loan closes, well, we send you to the business analyst group where you have a, an individual who services your loan. So if you need a, a billing statement or you need to send financials in because you want a second loan, that person works with you. And that's where I started out at the bank and moved kind of throughout the loan process, underwriting. Uh, I actually worked in the group at the bank that um, focused on, so as the bank grows, we kind of add new industries to lend to. Mm-hmm. So I researched the new industries and one of them was home services uh, and uh, about four years ago, I asked to just uh, work uh, in the home services lending group uh, entirely. So we're here four years later, still in Wilmington, North Carolina. We get to to travel a lot for work since we um, lend in all 50 states. So 
Uh, we get to meet a lot of great people in the industry, talk to a lot of great folks. Um, but I knew I was supposed to talk about myself, but I think uh, I care a lot about work and what I do. And um, I think it always tends to kind of bleed into my uh, discussion about who I am. So no, it's all good. Yeah. I mean, I, I still remember back to walking around the trade show at service world and looking over and seeing a bank, like what, what's a bank doing here at the trade show. So I thought that was kind of unique. And then we met and kind of hit it off. And I thought uh, what live up bank is really, uh, what y'all offer is really cool. Um, I, I am curious, like what attracted you to home services over anything else that you wanted to, you know, we're, we're doing at the time. Yeah. So, so our product that our main product that we, we lend here at the bank or at the time we've, we've expanded a lot into conventional products, but our main product at the time was called, uh, uh, and I think it's important to kind of highlight what the product is because it'll show what types of markets we look to get into and why we focused on this one. So mm -hmm. we use uh, what's known as the small business administration, seven, a loan, uh, so what that is, is it's a government guaranteed loan that enables banks to provide financing based on the cash flow of the business, the resume and personal credit of the owner. And we, although we take collateral on loans, we don't need them to be fully secured by collateral, which can be a really big hurdle for most small businesses in getting a loan. Uh, is that the SBA loan is a niche product. So most banks that are on your street corners are going to be thinking about providing financing conventionally, which means there's an over uh, focus on collateral and not necessarily the cash flow of the business to repay a loan, which means you can be a super profitable business, but you might not have, if you're looking for a million dollars to buy another business and you don't have a million dollars worth of collateral, even though you can repay that loan, you're not going to get it. So the SBA created this program to fill that gap so that owners could grow their businesses and ultimately bring jobs into their local communities. So hmm. as a bank, when we are focusing on, so as a bank, because we are a niche focused bank, originally we were called the doggy bank because all we led to was uh, veterinarians. Yeah, uh, really. yeah. But as, as we grew, uh, we needed to look at industries where uh, they were really profitable. They were recession resilient or recession proof uh, without a lot of collateral, meaning they didn't have a, a lot of access to financing, uh, but they had some great a lot of great businesses. And uh, so we started, I think I was walking home one day and it was, I were in Wilmington, North Carolina. So it's, I mean, it's 80 degrees out today mm -hmm. uh, and it gets up to 90 to the hundred, super humid in the summer. And I'm thinking how I could not live without air conditioning. Yeah. And um, I started thinking, you know, I bet there's a lot of ACE, like air conditioning companies that just focus on repair and not new construction because new construction is fine, but uh, we tend to just focus on service repair and replacement businesses and started researching the industry and found that um, most businesses, regardless of size, whether you're a million in sales or $40 million in sales, had no idea that this product existed to help them grow their company. Uh, so we looked for markets that are recession resilient. So you know, HVAC, plumbing, electrical services. Uh, we all went through the pandemic where there was, you know, a little bump in the road, but you're able to keep operating. Uh, although they call replacing your water heater as discretionary, I know if I'm <laughs> dealing with cold water, I'm going to replace my water heater. Uh, yeah. So I think it's more recession proof than most people say. Um, and then it was is. really, 
Yeah, and it was really fragmented. So that's that's kind of what led us to this industry. And then, you know, we've interviewed business owners and and stuff before we in in industry potential partners that before we decide to land. And it was just all great people. I think I've been working here for four years and never met a person I did not like. Well, that's good. See, I, I was setting you up just to say that the reason why I work with tr these trades is because they're, they're awesome people, right? They're just awesome people. But no, I, I love that, Brandon. I think it's, it is it is so true. And uh, and I hope people listening out there really picking up on, on, on what it is you're saying. So Live Oak Bank is not a traditional bank. You specialize in helping these small businesses grow through these loans. And and just to, you know, to help the audience out there, when you say collateral, what are you referring to? When I say collateral, uh, when banks are looking to fully secure a loan, they're looking for hard assets. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's typically vehicles or real estate. Um, now, we can collateralize the goodwill of a company, but that's not something you can actually tangibly hold, right? Mm -hmm. So they're looking for things you can touch like real estate and vehicles and inventory or possibly accounts receivable. Um, but a lot of heating and air and plumbing service companies don't have those in, in abundance or enough to secure a loan. Yeah, that's really that's really key there because I was actually having this conversation with a um, my mastermind group yesterday, and uh, we were talking about um, you know some companies will grow up to about three million dollars in sales before they actually purchase a building and move into a building. Some people are just completely remote, especially in in this day and age, and so. Uh, to have a whole lot of assets, it's hard, you know, and and to grow beyond that limit, you do need a lot of cash. And so it is it is pretty neat that y'all can offer these loans based on cash flow and based on profitability of the business, not just the hard assets. So that's a really a key just right right off the bat. Um, and it, it it definitely is a differentiator between, you know, the SBA loans and conventional loans. So, Let's dive into that a little bit more. So, you know, working with these companies, the hardest thing in growth really is to grow without cash. So is there usually a, uh, like whenever you're assessing these companies and you're wanting to work with them, is is there kind of a standard for, um, let's just say they have a, a rainy day fund, a savings account, but they have some money in. Is there kind of a standard that you push them towards having money saved up um, as they're growing their business, kind of a standard that you talk about? from your side? Yeah, I think a good uh, kind of what we'll look at is, is let's say somebody's buying a business for the first time. We mm -hmm. want to make sure they have enough savings on hand to operate that, that business. And at minimum, we generally look for 5% of revenue. It's not a, uh, it's by no means an exact science, but that, that's what we look to get people uh, started out at. Um, and then in terms of people that, operate their their companies uh you know without needing financing from a bank mm -hmm. you know having money saved up for an emergency fund um in the future or even when things are going well that's the best time to reach out to your local bank and seek out a line of credit even when you don't need money is the best time to ask for it hmm. um and looking hmm. for a line of credit because uh, it's always great. Even if you don't need to draw upon it, it, you want to have the opportunity to have it and already having worked with the bank. Um, so that's always an important thing to keep in mind. Um, and then, you know, people will be at varying stages of their company, right? If, if you're a smaller business getting started, 
um, and trying to add folks, your savings might be might dwindle a little lower than somebody who's been sure because you have to invest in all those systems to grow your company and there's different levels to it. Um, but generally we, you know, when we start people out, it's about 5% of revenue, but that's an inexact science. Yeah, I, I hope everybody was listening to what Brandon said there. It's the best time to uh, get a lot of credit is when you don't need a lot of credit, right? Best time to build a relationship with a banker is when you don't have to have a banker right away. And and it goes on and on. You can talk the same thing about a lawyer or CPA and so on and so forth. You don't want to be in that desperate mode of needing that person before you uh, before you build the relationship with that person. That way there, there's some you know rapport there. And um, so... Going back to that 5% of revenue, were you referring to, um, you know, that's how much cash you, you should have in the bank and operating your business, or is that referring to the value of the business? So that's just referring to how much cash to to have in, on, in a bank account on your balance sheet stored away. And yeah. in, in terms of, of the value of the business, that's typically like a multiple of of the earnings okay. of the let's, company. Let's not go there yet. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I, I heard you clearly. And no um, so, a lot of businesses that I I work with and and um, and I talk to and in, in the trades, um, you know, the standard I always talk about is having three months operating expenses. And so, a lot of people have no idea what their operating expense is. And so usually breaking it down, you know, a three million dollar year company, their operating expenses are probably going to be somewhere around. Uh, three months, probably somewhere around three hundred thousand dollars or so. Uh, that just blows people's mind, right? When they think, "Man, three hundred thousand dollars in the bank!" Like, wow! Like, what am I going? How am I going? How am I going to do that? So, let's talk to somebody who has, like, you know, maybe they, maybe they have twenty or thirty thousand dollars in the bank, and they need to bridge that gap. Is is this, you know, going to you or are looking for a loan like this a good opportunity to bridge that gap until they can actually save that cash up? Yeah, I think it, it in typically what our working capital loans for are going to be used for for growth per se. Mm -hmm. So replacing yeah. somebody's so somebody might be spending, you know, ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars uh, you know, every few months on marketing, right? But mm -hmm. that's money that's coming out of their savings that's being used to invest into the business and generate revenue and, and earnings and everything. But another way to do it, and something that we frequently do, is that we'll have folks that want to expand their marketing budget. They want to expand their hiring, training, because most yeah. folks are looking to grow, They're, and they might be spending their cash from their savings that's got them down at twenty or thirty thousand dollars. And mm -hmm. another way to kind of, rather than spend the money you have saved up, you can borrow money from using an SBA lender, where uh, you know. Per se, I'll just use a, a loan, a, a round loan number. You know, a hundred thousand yeah. um, dollars. And SBA loans can take a little longer to get. You know, thirty, generally forty-five to sixty days. So they're not going to be as quick as an online lender. Um, but then there's a trade-off because those tend to be shorter repayment terms and higher rates. Whereas with an SBA loan, you can get. Uh, you'll take a little longer to get the funds. So which will take some planning mm -hmm. uh, on the part of the borrower. Uh, or the business owner, but you can get, you know, $100,000 over a 10-year repayment period with a monthly payment of $1,400. So you can, let's say you have all these marketing and hiring and you need to buy a van initiatives mm -hmm. uh, and, and you can essentially fund that with a loan where 
your monthly payments $1,400, which uh, I'm sure, you know, the folks that are taking out the loan to grow are, are doing enough business with that new truck on the road to, to pay that $1,400 versus, you know, taking that, even though you're not borrowing funds and you're, but you are dwindling your savings or you can maintain your savings and take out a loan to kind of supplement what you have. So it's just another way of, of growing and keeping your, your cash level where you want it to be for those, you know, that three months of operating expenses, like you talked about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's leveraging debt to, to grow your business yep. and leveraging good debt. Like there's a big difference between, you know, taking out an SBA loan and taking out a, a loan that has 30% interest, you know? Yep. And, and it's a, and it is definitely a, it's not a, if you're in a hole, an SBA loan isn't going to be the, the best fit for you. But if you're looking to grow and in a good spot, it's definitely the, hmm. it's definitely a great fit. All right. So before we transition off this, this particular uh, loan for, um, for growing your business and, and really just that uh, uh, focus on that working capital, I guess you'd say, um, is there, if I was a bullet down to three steps for people listening, if they want to be proactive and start uh, positioning themselves to take advantage of this, what are three steps that you would tell people to do? Yeah. So I think, I think, I guess there's a couple of different ways. I think the first and foremost is to call a banker to understand what the terms of the loan specifically will look like, whether that's myself um, or your local bank, uh, understanding what you want uh, and if the bank has a product for that and what the terms look like and what they'll require to get approved. Because with any loan, you're, you're seeking approval and you'll have to provide info to the bank um, and uh, you'll want to understand what's needed to be approved so that you do get approved. Yeah. From That's the first step is understanding what the products are. And then the second step is generally with us, the big things that, and, and we're going to assume that your resume box is checked because you're listening to this podcast because you're a business owner, you're in the trades, you, you've already got the resume box checked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But with us, we look at three things for approval, right? The first one is cash flow because we want to make sure that your business's cash flow is enough to repay any existing and proposed debts you have because we don't want to send financing to a business owner where day one they're going to struggle to repay that loan that first year. That's not a position we want to put anybody in. So focusing on growing your profitability and cash flow to business. Mm -hmm. I won't get too into the details, but there's a there's a number that we look for uh, called or a ratio called the debt service coverage ratio. Okay. We look for uh, essentially 125% debt service coverage. So if, if you have $100,000 per year in debt payments you have to make over 12 months, we want your business to at least generate $125,000 in cash flow after you know paying yourself. Yeah, um, so good. you can repay the debt and have, have that cushion. So that's the number we're generally looking for. Uh, yeah, that's and, good. And, and then the second thing is, even though it's a business loan, uh, they do require personal guarantees from the owners of the business. Okay. Uh, so maintaining good personal credit, you know, keeping it above, you know, 660, your personal credit score. Um, the loan won't show up on your credit score uh, like a mortgage would, but we do pull your credit. Uh, okay. So we maintaining good personal credit is important because uh, just in, in the history of banks, there's just a strong correlation between paying your business loan back and and paying uh, your personal debts as well. That's good. Good. Good information. Thank you. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about to kind of break down the cash flow that you're looking for, but you did there. So that's uh, that's really good. Um, so let's dive into another another loan that y'all offer there at Live Oak Bank. Um, a lot of companies out there looking to to grow and they're not really wanting to just like lease a building. Like, I mean, I'm a good example of that. Like I want to buy a building and I want to lease it back to my business and build wealth, you know? And so uh, take, talk us through what that looks like as far as what y'all offer and just some, maybe some advice for people who are wanting to go out and buy some commercial real estate. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we have the SBA program actually has two types of loans uh, that you can use to fund the purchase of a building. Mm -hmm. Now, in keeping in mind the the real estate loan can be in a separate entity and lease it back to the operating company, that's fine. But the SBA's sole the the focus of the program is always to create jobs, so they always want to be really lending to the operating company that's employing folks. So ultimately, yeah. if you're buying a building both the real estate holding company and operating company would be guarantors or borrowers on the loan, mm -hmm. uh, if that makes sense. Makes so sense. we're always relying upon the the cash flow of the business to be able to repay the th that commercial mortgage. Um, but our main product that we use is going to be the 7A loan, but there is a product called the 504 loan uh, that it's a different structure than the 7A loan, but that one comes with a 10% down payment requirement uh, on that loan. And then there's a second lender involved with it. So you have two loans uh, and then generally a lower interest rate, but you have to put 10% down. Whereas with the 7A loan, which is the majority of you know, nine out of 10 deals or real estate deals we do here at the bank, if not more, are going to be the 7A loan. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that is more appealing to folks is because uh, it comes with the opportunity to get 100% financing to buy your building. So if you are an existing business owner and have been in operations for 12 months, you can get 100% financing, meaning no down payment to buy a facility. So you can replace your, your rent with that new mortgage uh, payment. And then you can still retain your cash on your balance sheet for those rainy day funds or to continue to invest in your company. And uh, the 7A loan also comes with a 25-year fully amortizing term. So uh, there's no balloon payment. A lot of times commercial real estate mortgages that are conventional will have a 20-year amortization, but you have to refinance the loan in five years. But these are 25-year are term loans. Uh, so you have, I guess... The number is 300 monthly payments, and then yep. the uh, loan is paid off. Um, and then oftentimes people are looking to renovate the building they're buying, or they want to buy land and build a whole new facility. Mm -hmm. um, we also have uh, the, the ability to include any uh, renovation or construction funds in the loan, uh, fund any soft costs like architecture and engineering fees uh, in those types of loans. Uh, and then we also assign a construction team to your uh, deal because we make sure that, you know, permitting is in place, plans are in hmm. place, the budget's all there. Because if you're building a new facility, uh, you don't, and we work with your general contractor to disperse funds, make sure they're doing their job, but uh, uh, make sure it's zoned appropriately. Because we want to, we don't want somebody to ask for a $3 million loan and just give them $3 million. And next hmm. thing we know, they uh, can't get permitting from the municipality to, to build what they want. So 
Uh, that's kind of without getting too detailed. Those that's what we can do um, for real estate, and it's always, I mean, just like a, a personal mortgage. Uh, a lot of people will say, "Hey, you know, I'm interested in, and my lease is up in a year. Yeah. Uh, I don't need a building today, but I want to buy a building when my lease is up. I need to understand how much I can qualify for." Uh, so people will call, reach out. They'll send everything that we would need for an application. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we'll say, hey, you know, you can afford a $2 million building or a $5 million building or uh, anything, you know, say, hey, you qualify for this. And so people will know that they can look at buildings that are roughly in that area for what they could qualify for when the time comes. And then, mm -hmm. you know, 12 months later, they send in updated financials and updated forms and They've uh, sent in an offer on a building to buy and they uh, have a letter from the bank saying, you know, we're willing to finance this purchase. Uh, and that getting on top of it early also allows you to, like you said before, build rapport with the bank too. We get to know your business well in advance of when you actually need the funding for it. That's good stuff. So uh, tell the audience, Brandon, why... Like, why would uh, somebody want to, like somebody listening out there may just want to buy a building or may have bought a building under their LLC um, that they're currently operating their plumbing, HVAC or electrical business under. What's the benefits of opening up a different LLC to to buy that building and then leasing it back to the company? I, you know, I don't know specifically. I know uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it, it helps to ring fence the real estate against being owned in the same entity as a, as the operating company for legal uh, mm -hmm. reasons. There's also uh, tax implications that are positive from doing so. Mm -hmm. um, but we always suggest people to work with their, uh, we can't necessarily provide advice, but we know uh, those are kind of what the, the positive attributes of putting in a different entity and leasing it back. And I, I would say, I mean, 90 plus percent of our customers do that. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it really is protecting them against that that lawsuit, right? The, yeah. If they sue your business, they're gonna be looking for all the all the assets they can get. So if you're own owning your trucks in the same LOC, you're owning your your uh, building and so on and so forth. They're you know they'll be able to get their hands on all that stuff. So there's definitely ways to strategize that. I know you're not a lawyer and you're not gonna share that information, but I was just curious. Um, if you could share some of that knowledge with the audience. So let's not talk about banking for a few minutes. Tell me something else. Tell me about, uh, tell me more about you and your leadership. And, uh, you know, you play college soccer and I'm sure you learned some good leadership traits there and how to work hard and be disciplined, but how, you know, what's something that you learned in those stages when playing college soccer that you apply today that you feel like would add some value to our audience um, currently where you stand in your leadership role? Yeah, so I I actually played goalkeeper, uh, yeah. so I wasn't actually good at soccer, so they let me use my hands to play. Um, <laughs> but when you're a goalkeeper, you spend a lot of your time, uh, even if the ball might be 50, 60, 70 percent of the time on the other end of the field, right? Mm -hmm. But you're always in preparation, preparing your defense, yelling, talking to people, the defenders in front of you to make sure they're positioned correctly so that if something does go wrong, you're not resting on your laurels and everybody's out of position. You're always anticipating that something could go wrong. Uh, 
not saying that that's what we want to happen, but as a goalkeeper, that's uh, I'm not scoring goals. I'm preventing them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think a lot of times what that's taught me as uh, a person is it's caused me to be proactive in when things are going well. uh, I look for areas where sometimes to my detriment, uh, but I look for areas that where where an issue could pop up and making sure that we're prepared to cover that. But then it also, I think, just having to communicate constantly throughout the game teaches you how to speak with people to, depending upon their personality, yeah. is your left back, you know, might be really sensitive and you can't scream at them and your right back <laughs> won't respond to you being really nice to them. Yeah. Uh, so understanding what motivates people to perform at their best to, achieve the team goals i think is something you also learn from from that position that's good man yeah really that anticipation and proactiveness is huge and that's a great great message for the audience listening and uh you know it's it's like having a good balance there too you don't want to be so much in that anticipation that you're always looking for what if and what if this happens and what if that happens because that could lead you down a negative rabbit hole but just being prepared enough to where you're um, I would guess you'd say ahead of the curve. So with the team that you lead now and the people that you work around, like how do you pick up on those personalities? I mean, is it just a natural gift you have? Is it uh, an assessment you give? Is it something that you use to help you pick up on that type of personality to learn how to communicate with them? So, uh, so the right back I was talking about when I was playing goalkeeper is now uh, on the team. Yeah. So he's somebody that I've known for, 11, 11 years now. Uh, but I will say I have a very, I think at the bank, so the bank is very, uh, is really good at empowering anybody in their position to be responsible for their specific role and to expand beyond that, to help their teammates. Um, and in doing so, learning that that made me feel good about my role when I was working uh, in different roles at the bank has caused me to try to implement that as a, you know, manager slash mentor to the other folks on my team is to empower them and let them feel comfortable in uh, taking on their roles and being aggressive in their jobs in terms of business development. You know, it would be easier, easy for me to say, okay, let me take every speaking opportunity and you all can handle the internal stuff. Mm -hmm. But I like to put them in a position to, if there's an opportunity to speak at a trade show and they, you know, procured it, that's on them. They can present, they can be the face of the bank to those folks. Um, But I'm also just really lucky to have uh, teammates that are inherently uh, driven to, to do their best and, um, you know, my goal is to just get out of their way and, and create an environment that allows them to to do what's already, you know, inside of them. That's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, getting people um, bought in, uh, a, big, a big way to get people bought in is just to, to get them doing some of the things that you may, uh, a lot of managers or owners out there maybe uh, taking full control over and doing everything themselves. Uh, the problem with that is you eventually bottleneck your business. And uh, you have a hard time growing and you're doing everything for everybody. And all you're doing is leading a bunch of followers because they're waiting on you to take care of everything for them. And, you know, it's a slippery slope. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm sharing it like it's no big deal, but it happens to most every manager and business owner out there. If they're not aware of that and they're able to 
um, make some changes to help get away from that. So that is some good, good information. And now I, I was just talking to a, um, a manager the other day who was wanting to buy uh, the the family business that, that they were a part of. And, uh, and I hear this quite a bit in the trade, especially in family businesses. And it always is followed up with, but I can't afford it. I just can't afford it. They have no idea how much it costs. They haven't done anything. So, so talk to that person, you know, may, that, that person's been there over 20 years that I'm talking about. And, and, um, you know, it's been in the talks of that person buying it, but they don't think they can afford it. So kind of talk to the people about that. If somebody out there who's wanting to buy a business and it's kind of wondering the same thing, cannot afford it. What are some of the things that y'all do to educate that person? Yeah, and that's that is a conversation that we have frequently with the individual looking to buy, and we yeah. also have that conversation with the seller who hears our us talk about succession planning and selling to that next generation, and they have somebody identified at their company they want to sell to. Mm -hmm. So the seller will even reach out and say, "Hey, how do I prepare, you know, my guy or gal to, you know, get ready to buy this company? What are the details?" So we always suggest if you're looking to buy a business from the owner or you are looking to sell your business to a an employee and financing might be a part of that, always reach out to bank to, even if it's a year away, three years, five years away, call the bank to understand what goes into the application process, the closing process, uh, because there's a lot of details that go into it. Uh, right. So for a for a first time buyer of a business using mm -hmm. the SBA program, you generally have to come up with at least 10 percent down. So if the purchase price of the business is a million dollars, you need to put roughly one hundred thousand dollars down, if not okay. more. Now, there is an opportunity where if the seller is willing to hold a seller note, you can put five percent down. So. $50,000 in that instance, but just understanding those variables that way, if, if you don't have that money saved up, you know, you can start saving if it's something that's two, three years down the line. Mm -hmm. uh, and also understanding that it can't be, you know, that down payment can't be borrowed. It can be a gift, but you can't take out a personal loan to get it. You have to actually save that and have it in your bank account. So that's, that's one thing, you know, understanding the personal credit aspect, having a 616 above the, the resume aspect, you know, having uh, a license to operate the company because with a with an SBA loan, the seller uh, can't be the uh, can't stay on as a key employee after the deal closes. So generally mm -hmm. speaking, the license that. holder holder has to be the owner, uh, has to be that new buyer. Now, sometimes the business might have plumbing, HVAC and electrical uh, and the seller doesn't hold any of the licenses and employees do, we can, you know, we understand there's gray areas. So, so we talk about it. And, but those are, those are reasons why we suggest people talking or, or understanding what goes into it uh, to understand, especially what that down payment is going to look like so that you can save up for it. Cause we've had people where they're like, Oh darn, I wish I had, I had known this three months ago. Cause I just put, you know, 400 grain down in my house and I could have, used it to buy this business, but I thought that wouldn't be enough. Uh, so mm -hmm. we always suggest reaching out early to to talk and learn, no matter how far away it seems. That's good stuff. Yeah, it goes back to that being proactive, right? 
being absolutely pro- being proactive and and realizing that it, it is possible. I think that having that mindset of uh, it's never going to happen, then it's never going to happen. You know, I, I like your your thought on, hey, even if it's three to five years away, reach out now and and kind of figure out the details so you can start being proactive towards towards whatever that is. So that's good stuff, Brandon. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, as we kind of come to a close in the podcast today, is there any, anything else that you want to share with the audience? I think, uh, and I, I should have hit it on this um, when we were just talking about the succession planning, but I've brought up a lot about the the hard numbers of qualifying for a loan and and getting approved. But ultimately, the most time you spend with the bank is is after the loan closes and you're spending 10 years to repay the loan, which comes mm-hmm. from successfully operating a company. And there are a lot of intangibles and parts of running a business uh, that you have to understand to do that successfully. So for that GM or that individual who works for a company wants to buy it from the seller and the seller's on board with that, ask for for more responsibilities because eventually you're going to be in that owner's role. You're going to be in that chair. If they're mm. understanding how to look at the, the profit loss or understanding what goes into the gross profit margin of a business and how to maintain pricing or, or how, you know, we just actually did a survey of our customers uh, all across the bank. Um, we were lucky enough that in the home services uh, trade, we were one of the more opt- one of the most optimistic industries at the bank about current finances, industry growth, et cetera. But what was highlighted, which we, you and I both know from talking to business owners every day is that mm-hmm. the biggest issue is, is finding talent and then retaining talent. So working with the seller to be put in a position to understand how to do all of that successfully is important. That's a intangible asset that I can't, you can't check a box on a loan application that, Hey, I'm good at hiring people, but talking to me as your loan officer on the front end and talking about how you know how to run a business also helps me get comfortable with, you know, financing you to, to, to buy that company because ultimately, you know, yes, the bank's goal is to get repaid in full, but my goal as a, as a loan officer and somebody who works with these companies like on a regular basis is not to, to just have you repay the loan. I want to put you in a position where you have the skills already to repay the loan and 10 X the size of the company. Oh, come on. and grow the value of the company that's like what yeah. we're here for right so yeah that's what you know it's it, it's numbers based but it's also there's a lot of qualitative things that you can't measure via numbers that go into qualifying for a loan and, and repaying it and growing a company that's good stuff brandon good stuff I and mean, i mean being proactive again training people coaching people mentoring people not just expecting them to know it all or just kind of throwing them in there. Um, I, I do like that, that, that you are um, advising the people out there to do that. And you're looking for that. You want to build that long-term relationship because uh, like you said, it's more than just getting paid back on your loan. It's, it's the relationship for the future to see you grow and see, and see that person be successful, which is really key. And I can't help but to recognize that you set me up for our ebook, the three steps to attract and retain top team members. I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh no but, problem yeah there you go there you go so but anyways yeah in closing thank you brandon for coming on the show today it's been uh just i've learned a lot I hope my audience has learned a lot 
Um, but you know, as you grow a business, I just want everybody to realize that you're not going to know it all. So having somebody like Brandon at Live Oak Bank or your local bank, having a relationship with somebody who can really educate you and be on your side and and treat you fairly and treat you like you're a human and you can go in there you can ask questions like i asked today uh coming from a tradesman standpoint right and and really um somebody slow down and kind of explain things to you is going to be what's most value so uh, i think i think you did that well today brandon so i really appreciate that thank you uh thank you for having me on it was a pleasure awesome well, if you want to check out Live Oak Bank, uh, what what's your uh, website, Brenda? Our website is www.liveoakbank.com. So uh, go there and search for the HVAC, plumbing, and electrical uh, services page. And, and there's a, a whole lot of info about what we do. And, and if you're interested in applying for a loan or even connecting with one of us, there's a, a form to fill it out and, and give us a holler. Awesome. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you for coming on the show. And everybody listening out there, just, just, you know, bringing these kind of people in that, that are willing to offer their knowledge to help you grow your business and grow your leadership is so valuable. So hope you enjoyed this. Please, if you have take a moment and just leave us a review and share this with a friend, um, it would help us grow this podcast organically. And, and uh, if y'all are looking for any kind of free resources and uh, growing your leadership or growing your business, Check us out at BillForTheTrades.com. We have a free resources tab there where you can gather some information. And uh, thanks again, Brandon, and hope you have a good day.